Hi guys, this episode of All Have Another Podcast is brought to you by Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service with gluten-free, dairy-free, and paleo meals. Allison, the chef at Prep Dish, who's also a dietitian, wants to make your life easier. You no longer have to think about your meals. She provides you with a detailed grocery list and instructions for exactly how to prep those so they're ready for the week. Allison is offering listeners of All Have Another a free two-week trial. That's right. I said free. You guys can go to prepdish.com slash another to get your free two-week trial. It's a no-brainer. Check it out. And what's also really cool is I'm actually going to interview Allison on this podcast. She is an entrepreneur who left her full-time job and started this career in this business that she was so passionate about. And you guys know I love talking to entrepreneurs. So coming up in an episode soon, I'm going to talk to Allison and hear about her story and what she loves most and why she took the chance to start this incredible business. All right, so go check them out, prepdish.com slash another and use the code another to get a free two-week trial. All right, today you are listening to episode 109 and I'm talking to Rahav Katib. I am so excited about this interview. She was so fun to talk to. She was the first covered Muslim American to grace the cover of a fitness magazine. She was on the cover of Women's Running Magazine just a couple years ago, and she has such a strong message to debunk stereotypes surrounding her community and also empowering her community and those around her to get out and run. She is just about to complete her sixth world marathon major. She's running London here in just a few weeks. Right now, she's raising money for brain tumor research in honor of her father, who is battling that right now. And when she ran the Boston Marathon in 2016 with Catherine Switzer's team, she raised an incredible $16,000 for Syrian refugees, which is actually where she was born. She lives in Michigan now, and she's the mother of three. She stays home with her kiddos, and this conversation couldn't have been more enjoyable. So I cannot wait to share it with you guys. Before we get started talking with Rahav, I want to thank another sponsor of this show, and that is Bissell Bark Bath. Bathing your dog can be a huge pain. In the winter, it's hard to clean them outside, and it causes a messy bathroom. The Bissell Bark Bath allows pet parents to bathe their pets with virtually no mess, eliminating inevitable cleanup that comes along with washing your four-legged family member. We have a dog, Cadence. She is 10 years old now. And we have used the bark bath that Bissell sent us, and we are truly enjoying the product. And I think you guys will too. The bark bath works with any fur length, and it uses a no-rinse shampoo. That's right, no-rinse. That is key for me because I can never seem to get all the shampoo out of my dog's hair. You guys can learn more and buy your very own bark bath by going to Bissell.com. That's B-I-S-S-E-L-L.com slash another and use the coupon code ANOTHER at checkout, where you will receive two free no-rinse shampoos with that order of your bark bath. Thank you, Bissell, for supporting this podcast. And I do want to let you guys know, we are doing a meetup in Boston, weekend of the Boston Marathon, on Sunday, April 15th from 2 to 4 p.m. It'll just kind of be a hangout, get to know each other. We do not have the exact location to be determined just yet, but it's going to be a very casual meetup. And I hope that anybody that's in Boston that listens to the show um, can pencil that in and come meet me. And um, a couple of my friends are going to be there. Michelle Gonzalez, Molly Turner, Ashley Fizzerati, and Mary Johnson. We have our little girl gang that we're going to all meet up and hope that you guys can meet us there. I cannot wait to meet so many faces that I've heard from on social media that listen to this show, people that I've interviewed on the show. Um, It's just going to be a really fun weekend. So I hope that you can pencil that in Sunday, April 15th, between two and four location to be determined, but somewhere convenient in Boston. If you're loving the show, I would appreciate a rating and review on iTunes one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us in every single review I read and appreciate. And it's just real helpful in growing this community. Thank you, everybody who has already done so. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get this conversation going. I know you're going to enjoy it. All right, today on the show, I'm so excited to welcome Rahav Khatib on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. 
Um, it's an honor. And Rahaf is at Lifetime Fitness right now in between classes. Yes. So we're talking to a dedicated runner here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Got to get it in. Calling in from Michigan, where you live, and all yes. you have—you're the mother of three. All of your kids are at school right now. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. So tell everybody what you're training for. So I finished Tokyo Marathon three weeks ago, and um, uh, training for London next in five weeks. That's a quick turnaround. It is. It is. But you know, I got lucky enough to get into Tokyo, and then quickly grabbed the charity bib for London and it just worked out that way, you know, and you know, I, I just like keeping up with my training. It, it kind of falls into place. It rolls into the other one kind of. So, well, let's talk about your life a little bit. And I want to sure. get, I want to get into, I mean, she's about to complete her sixth world marathon major. So that is yes. really exciting. Um, yes. but let's get started with your life. You were born in Syria. Yes. I was mm -hmm. and Damascus, Syria. Okay, and you moved to the mm -hmm. United States. Were you a baby? Were you a toddler? Yeah. Oh, it's like less than a year old. Okay. So yeah. what brought your family here? So my dad got an opportunity to study abroad, and he got a scholarship to Germany. And I think after Germany, he went to the UAE, worked with an oil plant company um, as an engineer. He's a chemical engineer, and then he uh, pursued his Ph.D. in Detroit, Michigan, at the University of Detroit um, as a chemical engineer. So he worked with a company here for a few years and then was self-employed and brought my mom over from Syria, got pregnant. She went back to Syria, had me there around family since I was her first and came back to the States. So was that, and was that also so that you could have dual citizenship or how does that work? Um, actually, I did not have dual citizenship. For the first 18 years of my life, I was with a Syrian passport. Okay. It's, I know, it's funny because my dad, um, he was not a citizen as well. So at the time, you had to get it through the through your work. Okay. Uh, so you file for citizenship through your company that you're working with. And then it just took a long time. And, and then by the time he got it, and my mom got it, they pass it on to the kids. Okay, so and once pass it on to me. So once yes. both of your parents have it, then they pass Our it on citizens, to Our citizens, right. And then they pass it on to the kids, siblings. Okay. Um, and I mean, siblings, you know, kids. And um, that's how I got it at 18. It was just funny because in high school here, I was with a Syrian, you know, it was, um, they call it alien ship. Okay. Alien, kind of like in between. Okay. So then my friends would make fun of me and call me an alien. <laughs> but were they were they doing it nicely though, like as a joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was it was nice. Yeah. Did, did you go to yeah, public sure. school? I did. And then do you I have did. siblings? I do. I have three siblings. I'm the oldest. Okay. What are they, girls or boys? So there's three girls and one boy. Okay. So I'm sure that's much different. That was much different then coming to the United States <laughs> in yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't remember much of the 80s. I remember more of the 90s. Um, for your family, but, um, though. Oh, for my family, of course. It was much different. My mom didn't have any language. My dad was much better, you know, because he was studying. But my mom didn't know much English. And um, till this day, her English is still a little broken, you know. You can tell she has a little accent, a cute little accent. But um, it was a little bit difficult. She taught Arabic on the weekends in Arabic school for the community um and she just got by as much as she could she she they just learn you know you adopt and you learn with your surroundings so are you bilingual i am yes so cool now what yes. about your kids are you teaching them yes to be? okay awesome yeah so was yeah, that yeah. kind of like as when they were born did you guys speak arabic at home and then they just in like learned english in the classroom or how did what did that look like so my my kids a little more English speaking than I was. I was more Arabic because my both of my parents, you know, were new to the country, whereas I was I grew up here. Mm -hmm. So it's different because sometimes I'll almost always talk to them in English, but I'll also try to talk to them in Arabic. They'll understand me in Arabic, but they won't reply in Arabic. Okay. They'll reply in English, but um, at school they go to a private school here, and uh, my husband and I like that aspect because they can learn Arabic and um, Islamic studies. Okay. 
uh, it's kind of like going to a Catholic school, like my friends have their kids in Catholic school or whatever, you know, same, same concept. You learn um, religion and we also incorporate Arabic into their studies. So is it, is it an Islamic focused school? It is. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So does your husband speak Arabic to them? He, he does not. Okay. (laughs) He tries to, we both try to. But despite this, they can still understand it and um, read Arabic. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm just yeah. always so intrigued when parents are it, bilingual. Yeah, it's it's different, you know, because we have, you know, we have so many identities. Like, I call myself Muslim American or am I, like, Syrian uh-huh. American? You know what I mean? So it's it's, it's interesting because um, you pass it on to your kids and you, you show them, like, this is our heritage, this is our culture, this is where we came from, and... And um, have them like, you know, understand their background. But at the same time, you know, they're at the end of the day, they're of course always um, Americans. That's why I like to say American Muslim. Okay. So yeah. Well, I or Muslim American. <laughs> Mus- okay, Muslim American, yeah. not American. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in in looking through your Instagram, I noticed you don't really post pictures of your husband or your kids, but I did find a really beautiful picture of you guys. Um, must have been on a Runner's World or some, I don't know, some interview that okay. you did. Um, okay. But talk to me about that, like your decision to kind of keep that private and, you know, because I put everything, yeah. I spill everything yeah. on my social media. Yeah, and, and that's that's fine. You know, lots of my friends do, and it's totally cool. It's just a personal choice. You know, I just feel like I want to focus on myself and spreading my message about uh, faith and running and um, clearing up a lot of misconceptions about my faith, you know, and it, at the same time, I've dedicated my life to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've gave up a career. I am a college graduate, but um, even that I struggled to finish because I had my first when I was in college. Jeez. Um, yeah. So, you know, I feel like I've dedicated my whole life to my kids. I just want this one thing just for me. Yes. <laughs> and it's the Instagram and it feels so selfish, I know. But, you know, I, I mean, I have a private Facebook. Okay. Pr- you know, a private Facebook page where, you know, my closest friends are on there and I share a lot of vacation pictures and school and plays and all that kind of stuff. So there's that. <laughs> well, let's talk about that though, because you, um, well, first of all, how did you and your husband meet? You, you had three kids by the time you were 24. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We, I met him when I was in, we got married when I was in second year college. Okay. Yeah. So I was 20, 21, just about turning, about to turn 21. And I met him here in Detroit, Michigan. He was doing his fellowship at St. John hospital and, um, you know, um, friends kind of passed around our numbers and yeah, and you know, he called and that's kind of how our tradition goes, you know, before we date, we actually visit the family. Oh, okay. So yeah. you, you met so his family, you met his family and he met your family before you met each other. Right. Well, the tradition goes is that the way it goes is that he has to visit the girl's, um, family first. Okay. So, Yeah. So yeah, I know it's different. So he's a couple years older than you. Uh, he is seven. Okay, seven years older. Well, you guys must have had those yeah. babies really quickly, like like one yeah, right after yeah. the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first, you know, I I didn't plan it, but I wasn't really preventing it. Sure. At the same time, you know, the second I planned, and then the third was unplanned. <laughs> so, but it was nice because I got my girl. After two boys. Oh, you had two so, boys and then a girl? Yes, yes. So that I was happy about. <laughs> if I would have planned it, it probably would have been a boy. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm three boys strong right now and finding yeah. out today if it's a girl. So oh, I I feel oh, you. Exciting. I know. That's I'm like, exciting. when you have all of the same gender, you kind of like assume that the, the next is going to be the same gender. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I do feel you never like, know. yeah, you never know. I know. So I feel Girls you. Are fun. Yeah. They really are. I just love her. So are they all like a year <sighs> apart though? No, the, the first two are three years apart. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the last two are 14 years, 14 months. Oh, they're really close. Yeah. So I had two under two. Oh yeah. That's tough. Yeah. You yeah, had, you had two, like they were basically both babies. Yeah, they were, I ha- I got pregnant when my son was eight, about eight, nine months old. Wow. So, <clears throat> I know. 
And hence why I told you I had to give up my career and everything, you know, I thought I would be, I would be doing. So, um, and at first it was a little hard on me because I am, I don't know if I'm a high achiever. Yeah. But I think I am. (laughs) And, um, and yeah. And so when I had to give all of that up and my husband had just started practice and I had my third. And so there was like literally no way I can go back. He was, um, on call and. It was just uh, really hard with two babies. You know, there's no way I can so go back hard. at that time. Yeah. So, you know, I stayed home for a while and that was that was fine by me. And I, I, I at first it was hard, but you have to adjust and kind of work around it and and know what you're doing for them is, is, is worth it. And it's worth the world. When I see, you know, babies at daycare or my friends struggling to find a babysitter and stuff like that so that they can work, I feel blessed. You know, that I have the opportunity to stay at home. What kind of doctor is your husband? So he's a physician. Okay. um, A heart doctor. Oh, okay. Now, cardiologist. what what did you go to school for? Biology. Okay. I thought I would be doing pre-med. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I thought I was going to do nutrition and then then things changed. (laughs) Babies happened. So So you started... You started running in 2012 to help fight depression. Tell me about that experience. So I, like I said, I was at home with two under two and they, when they got a little bit older, but they were still toddlers, my husband suggested, well, Hey, you know, why don't you enroll in the gym? They have a daycare there and you can leave the babies for up to two hours a day. And I was like, what? That's awesome. And, And that's how it started. That's how I started going to the gym and I honestly wanted to get out of the house too. Yeah. Um, so I went to the gym and I would put them in the, you know, the little daycare area and work out. I started with Zumba. I love to dance and being Middle Eastern, I used to always, you know, belly dance at parties, at weddings. Oh my goodness. My mom would put me in the middle of the room, the party (laughs) and make me dance. And they would, everybody would clap and then you dance like so much fun so starting out with Zumba seemed so fitting (laughs) you know um and I did that and it was awesome but at the same time I felt like it wasn't challenging enough and that I was still searching for some something for some sort of meaning in my life I don't know what it was but you know I just still felt empty inside and so um my son my oldest son his gym teacher is a runner and so she told me, she's like, Ralph, you know, every year the school does this one mile kids run, you know, Martian, Martian Marathon in Dearborn, Michigan. Okay. Oh, I forget. You're not from Michigan. I thought you were from Michigan. Never mind. It, it, I'm close so, though. Indiana. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's, it's a local run. It's really popular with the schools um, around Michigan. And she said, you know, they have a half marathon, they have a 10K and a 5K. She was doing the half at the time and and she said, well, why don't you sign up for the 5K? You can totally do it. She knew I loved going to the gym. Um, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a runner. And I actually <laughs> hated running in high school. I hated it. I really would, like, skip gym time just so I could avoid running. Um, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot and go from there. It sounds really fun. And I knew a few um, other people in my community that were doing it. And I said, why not? So I ended up registering for the 10K instead of the 5K. Ooh, and go big. I know. I know. You know why? Because I didn't want to pay to run for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that was my, you know, thinking at the time, being such an amateur runner. I, I didn't know 5Ks were so serious and that people actually compete and spend years training 5Ks. I mean, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I was just like, you know, I'm going to pay and run for an hour rather than run for, you know, 30 minutes. So I trained for maybe like two months and I showed up to the start line where he caught in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in April, so it wasn't, you know, too bad the weather, but oh my goodness, I had an amazing time. Aww. I had an amazing time, even though I finished on like an hour and 10 minutes or, or something like that. I, I will never forget the last half mile of the race. There was a tiny hill, but at the time for me, I felt like, you know, Mount Everest. And there was a senior citizen, literally an old, old she could be my grandma, like an old lady. She was pushing me up the hill. Oh. I know. 
she literally stopped her running just to encourage me to keep going and to not stop running. I will never, ever forget that moment in my life. And since then, crossing that finish line, I felt so euphoric. And I said to myself, I'm coming back again next year. So I came back the next year and ran the half. Ooh. And then a few months after that, I ran my first full, which was the Detroit Marathon. Okay, that makes sense that that's the one you choose. Yeah, exactly, right? So, and it was so much fun. The Detroit Marathon here is a lot of fun. It's not too, too big, but it's not small at all. So it's like the whole town kind of um, gets together. Detroit's, you know, is closed. The roads are closed. It's just a fun feeling. And um, all the locals here wear their shirts to the gym. It's like, you know, really, really fun. I've gotten to know a lot of people in the running community. And, um, and yeah, I loved it. I just loved crossing finish lines. That's so, so amazing. Yeah, I have friends that yeah. have gone up to that marathon, and I've heard nothing but yeah. good things. Yeah. Well, well, so fast forward years later, you become a marathon runner. That's your thing. Yes. And yes. you <clears throat> became the first, I'm going to say it wrong. You originally, you, yeah. you said, <laughs> wait, do you prefer Muslim American or American Muslim? It doesn't matter. I mean, they're interchangeable to me. Which one do you say? For me, Muslim American. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say yes. it that way then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you became the first Muslim American on the cover of Women's mm-hmm. Running Magazine. Yes. But the first covered. Oh, covered. Yes. Right, now, exactly. tell us about that experience and how it all came about. Because I think the story of how it came yeah. about is pretty cool. Yeah. So, well, prior to that, let's start with the Runner's World. Sure. Cover search contest. I was sitting there in May 2015, scrolling my Twitter, which I don't even open, like maybe once a year. And then I opened it up just one day feeling really low in, in my faith mm. at that time in my life for some reason or another. And I said to myself, you know what, Rav, there's no point in covering your hair. You know, there's Muslims out there that don't cover their hair. Um, and I don't really want to wear it anymore. Mm. These are the thoughts that were going through my head. And I said to myself, you know, I can still be modest in the way I dress and present myself, but not need to cover my hair. Why do I, and all these like negative thoughts are coming through my head. Then one day I sit down and I open up my Twitter and it said, do you want to be on the cover of Runner's World magazine? Apply today and you can be, you know, featured on the cover of the December issue of Runner's World magazine. And Instantly, I was like, yeah, of course I want to be. Like, that's amazing. And so I applied and submitted some questions and whatnot. And out of thousands and thousands of entries, I was the only covered Muslim on, in the contestants mm. for, for this contest. And that, to me, was like a huge sign. Yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, like you were struggling with this piece of your faith. And it was like, okay. Yes. That's yes. so cool. It was to me, I was like, wow, if this is not a sign that I don't know what it is, like God is literally speaking to me right now and telling me, no, I have to keep it on, mm. you know, be strong. Um, we all have doubts in our life about our faith and who we are and whatnot. But this right here was a huge sign to me. And it's so funny because the second I got into this contest, it instantly drew so much attention. Okay, and people started voting for me and I got into headlines and local newspapers. The local news channel actually came to my house and interviewed me um, and interviewed my kids and showed us running together on the track. And so I got picked as the top 10 finalists. Mm. We flew to New York, met Natalie Morales at the Today Show. Yes. I know. She's so sweet. She was one of the judges at the time. I know because she's a runner and a triathlete. So that was cool. We met Bart Yasso. We had group runs, dinners. Oh, my God. It was the funnest thing in my I've ever done in my life. This was the first trip I have taken solo. Oh, tell me about no that. Like, how did that no, feel? Oh, my. So freeing. Yeah. So freeing. Were you nervous? No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ready. Like I told Tish Hamilton, one of she was the editor in chief of Runner's World at the time. Told her, this is my first trip solo. 
Like, I am going to have so much fun. And we did. And we ran through Central Park. And it was, oh, my God, the treats that they gave us, like, all the gear. Mm-hmm. It was ASICS at the time that was sponsoring this contest and tag, you know, the tag watches. And, uh-huh. you know, we modeled for them and did photo shoots and interviews. I was like, I don't even need to win right now because I have already <laughs> won. Like, literally. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, Runner's World called me. And they said, you know what, Rahaf, we love this idea of you and Bobby being on the cover because he is uncovered. He's an underwear runner and you're covered mm. from head to toe. Would that be OK with you? And oh. yeah, mm. yeah. This was about two weeks before the um, winners were announced. And so I was like, you know, I don't I don't I think that bothers me a little bit mm. because him being in his speedos kind of like derails from my message Mm -hmm. you know and what I stand for and I don't know if my kids see that in the future yeah you know I don't know how I would feel about that my kids my community my parents um and me and me at the end of the day like I don't know if I want to be on the newsstands with him being in only his speedos and I told her that that does make me uncomfortable Mm. so I didn't get the cover Interesting. I did not know that piece to the story. I did not share this wildly or publicly, but I don't mind speaking about it today. Yeah, yeah, you sure. What did, what did your husband think of that too? I mean, he like, he, it, it was he your was decision, supportive. but what did yeah. he, what was his opinion? He was like, Raph, you do what you need to do. Oh. He was completely supportive in whatever my Either choice way. was at the time. Either way. He did not mind at all. But he said, whatever makes you comfortable, you do. And, and you don't know. When the winners were announced on the Today Show, mm-hmm. I was crying. Oh. I was crying. I had poured my my heart into this contest. Yeah. Reaching out to local newspapers and interviewing and getting votes yep. and yep. Facebooking. And that's when I made my Instagram, yes. by the way. Okay. To get people to vote for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I started crying. So my oldest son comes up to me and he's like, Mama, don't worry. You did the best you could, and everyone knows what an amazing hijabi you are. Mm. And that was, and he was only 10 at the time, and that just, like, and then we have a saying that, you know, whatever's meant to you will happen, and kind of, like, along the lines of whatever's meant to you will happen, whatever's not meant for you, something better will come. It's actually in our Quran, in the holy book. And my dad called me that day and reminded me of that verse. And so I was like, you know what? It's just not meant to be. But I was so heartbroken that mm-hmm. I kept praying and praying that somehow, somewhere, I would land the cover, you know, of a writing magazine or a fitness magazine because I needed to share my message with the world. I saw the underrepresentation of Muslim Americans in the running field. There is hardly any. Um, nothing. You look at, you know, Instagram or Facebook pages of Garmin and this and that company or ASICs. There are, there are any, it's just the way it is, you know? And I said to myself, why is that? We have to change this. Um, there's, you know, we work out too, you know, we run, we do, we're triathletes, we're, you know, and now we have the first, um, Muslim American, you know, Olympian, mm-hmm. um, the fencer. So, but we're underrepresented. And so I badly needed this to happen to show and prove something to the world um, and to clear misconceptions and stereotypes about us. So one day I was scrolling through Instagram and under the Women's Running Magazine, they had a post about their cover model who happens to be a transsexual, I think. Transgender. Isn't she? Trans, oh, sorry. That's okay. Term. I, but you're, it's I Amelia, <laughs> Amelia Gappin. Who, she's been yes. on the show too. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. So Exactly. So, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, this is amazing. They had, before, before her, they had a Latina. Uh-huh. A Latina runner who's started, you know, running in her, you know, Latin, in her Latino community. She started a running group. And uh, before that, they had an African-American run. Before that, they had a plus-size runner. And so I was like, okay. You know, this is great representation. You guys have covered every single community out there except us. Why is that? Why is that? Why are we always being underrepresented? Never on, in magazines or on the cover of magazines. Mm. And I left that message there. I, 
kind of like how you leave a comment. Oh, my dishwasher sucked. I hate this brand. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no one's going to get back to you. You never really, right. you never really expect someone to get back to you unless you actually call customer service or whatever. So they got back to me and, and they, they, they sent me a message and said, we're interested in your story. Please email us. Mm. So I emailed them right away. And I was like shaking and nervous. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on here? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> um, and she's like, we're really interested in your story. We actually want to um, feature you in the magazine. Wow. Was it Jesse? And I was like, cool. It was Caitlin. At the oh, time. Caitlin Pilkington. Yeah. Kate, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Love her. And so, yeah, she, the sweetest. And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. You know, whatever. That's awesome. I was a little heartbroken, but I was like, okay, this is a, you know, this is a step forward, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and then they email me the next day and they're like, actually, we want you on the cover too. <gasps> and I was like, what? <laughs> they um, booked the photographer. They booked the location within the, that same week. Within that same wow. week of me leaving that comment. Wow. I know. I know. They're amazing. Um, did an interview, did the photo shoot a couple months later. I mean, it was just amazing. Amazing. Um, the cover came out while I was in Berlin, running the Berlin Marathon. Running a marathon, of course. Exactly. <laughs> I finished, I literally finished that marathon and my phone blew up with messages. Oh, that's so great. And emails and, and reporters and, and, oh my God, I can't even tell you. And I was like, I was on cloud nine. I couldn't even believe this was happening. And same with my community. They couldn't believe this was happening either. Mm. If, if, if you look at all the, I know you don't, probably don't follow them, but a lot of uh, American Muslims you know, are journalists and they have their own news pages and all that kind of stuff. They were all reporting it. This was actually, it went across the world. Um, Lebanon um, reported it and I actually flew, they flew me to Lebanon. Wow, did you go solo? I went with my sister. Okay. With my college sister. So okay. That, so that was really fun. Yeah. Actually. And I went on a show. It's kind of like The View. Here, okay. Okay. Um, in Lebanon, and they had me on the show. That's as, so you know, cool. The first hijabi to ever be on the cover of a fitness magazine or running magazine. So it went international. I had I had oh my gosh I had people from Egypt. I have journalists from across the world contacting me. So this is huge. This tells you how much of a need, you know, we we you know we need to 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 diversify, and to acknowledge the fact that there are you know minorities in the running field and in in the marathoning um, uh, field as well. But you know, like what I'm hearing from this story so strongly is that like you had this struggle with your faith mm-hmm. internally. And, mm-hmm. and then something yeah. happened and then you, yeah. and then you were faithful to what you believed is what you exactly. should be doing with runner's world. And then this exactly. happened. It's like uh-huh. so full circle. I know. I know. It really is. It's like, and then one door closes, but then another one opened. Yeah. Because what, what would have happened had you accepted that runner's exactly. world cover and then maybe the women's running thing wouldn't have panned out. And exactly, exactly. Oh, and that's so cool. All of this after runner, uh, after women's running, I had so many opportunities. I was sponsored to run Boston with Highlands, you know, and yeah, and all these opportunities just sort of opened up for me, you know, and I'm so blessed. So let's talk about, um, you know, you have now been given the opportunity, and I'm going to say through your faithfulness. <laughs> to mm-hmm. be this kind of spokesperson for your community mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. tell me what you want my listeners and just the world to know like <clears throat> what are some like myths and stereotypes you'd like to debunk yeah about your community my husband does not make me wear this that's <laughs> the number hijabi. one exactly the hijabi. my husband does not make me wear this you know it is it is it is our choice it is a symbol of our faith mm. We do believe that God has ordered uh, Muslim women to cover and to cover their hair. Um, and I know a lot of uh, Jewish women cover their hair as well out of faith. So this is why we cover. It's, a, it's part of our faith. And in no way our shape is our, do our husbands force us to cover. So that's number one. And number two, no, I am not hot in it. 
<laughs> so I get that a lot, especially running. And uh-huh. I get little comments here and there, you know, from people. I was running Bayshore one year and it was supposed to rain, but it didn't end up raining. But it was like really humid and hot. It was like 90 degrees, 80% humidity. It was, it was like really, uh, really hot. So I was running past the cheering station and then one guy looks at me and he's like, well, aren't you dressed for the rain? And I, <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, yeah, yeah. Give him a thumbs up and keep on running. <laughs> You know, so it's just, you know, and then you get like looks, side eye looks at the start line, you know, when you're anxiously waiting to start. People are just sort of glancing your way, kind of hold their eyes on you, you know, look you up, up and down and then sort of, you know, glance the other way. So they're curious. People are curious and that's natural. Yeah. I just smile, you know, because we believe that um, smiling is charity, Mm. part of charity. So when you smile, you're giving charity. So it's kind of like that. So I say to myself, just smile. And if they want to ask me questions, you are more than welcome to. And I actually encourage that so much. Like, it's so important to ask questions. Do not assume things from your mind and do not listen to the media. Mm. Do not open up, you know, Fox News or whatever and believe what they say about us because this is all false. 90% of it is false. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I was listening to another interview with you and there was another um, covered Muslim woman. And I think you would know who it is. She's a triathlete. She's a competitive triathlete. Oh yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Um, Yeah. But I love team USA. Yes. And I love what she said. Um, she said that people would kind of like give her looks like, Oh, like I'm so happy you decided to come here. And she said, Oh yeah. Yeah. I I did not. I came here to win. Like (laughs) I didn't just come here. Like I came here to win. She's badass. That girl's badass. She, she, Oh my goodness. She's fierce. She's a beast. She's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, what t- tell me, what does it mean to you to wear your hijabi? Am I, am I saying that right? Hijab, yeah. Hijab? hijab. No, there's no yeah. I at the end. Well, I is when you're describing the person who is wearing it. Okay, that's another yeah. question I have then. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, like you said, your son. Hijab is you, the noun. Na- wait. Okay. Hijab is the noun. Okay. I guess they're both nouns. So, but like the hijab yeah. is what you wear. Yes. But then you scarf. said that your son said, you know, like you're a really great hijabi. Tell me about him mm-hmm. using that term describing you. Um, it's just the term sort of came out right when I was doing my cover search contest at the time for okay. Runner's World. Um, at the same time, a lot of hijabis started popping out and doing doing things in the media. Like there was the first H&M. H&M had a, had a hijabi. A hijabi is a person who actually wears the headscarf. Okay. So at the same time, there were so many. And then there's one article described us as hijabi. And so from there, the term sort of stuck. So that's relatively new. Yeah. Okay. Relatively new. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Got because it. Now, now it's kind of like we're branching out. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you can find more of us on Instagram and, and, and all those other pages and stuff like that. And, and then you have the, um, the high fashion model, mm-hmm. Halima. I don't know if you've heard of her. You know, she's um, signed on by a really big agency. And she was on the cover of Vogue and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. So, it's definitely um, um, creating more awareness. So, what does it mean to you to wear it? You know, like I told you, it's just uh, part of the faith and what I believe in, mm-hmm. basically. And it's just something that was asked of us to do and so that's that's what I believe in okay personally Mm -hmm. all right everybody I want to thank one more of our sponsors today before continuing this conversation and that is Casper mattress Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get the best rest one night at a time the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places There's a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. Casper is becoming the internet's favorite mattress. I love that Casper is all designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S., and they have affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. They have hassle-free returns if not completely satisfied, and they're delivered right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that-sized box. 
you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash have another and use the code have another. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Casper, for supporting this episode of All Have Another Podcast. If you guys are looking for additional content for me, you can find that over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine, where I drop bonus episodes every month with returning guests and episodes with my husband, Glenn, talking all things running, life, Boston Marathon, you name it. That's patreon.com slash lindsayhine. All right, guys, let's continue this awesome conversation with Rahaf. In 2016, you yeah. had the opportunity to run the Boston Marathon with yes, uh, Catherine Switzer's team. Yes. And you raised $16,000 for Syrian yes. refugees. Yep, within like three months. So Less than three months. Tell me, tell me about that. I mean, obviously, this is yeah. near and dear to your heart. And yes, yes. And just tell me about the experience. So it all began when I said to myself, I need to finish or complete the six world majors. At the time, I had run Chicago and Berlin. And I said to myself, well, how am I ever going to get into Boston? <laughs> I am a middle of a pack runner. I am slow but determined and very persistent. But at the same time, you know, within a matter of a year, I don't think I can get my speed up to pace to get into Boston. And it's honestly, it's not something I, I put my focus on. If you look at my Instagram page, it's not about numbers. Yeah. Um, I, I leave that up to a lot of other people. <laughs> um, mine is uh, about faith and running and how it goes hand in hand and the meaning behind running marathons. And I feel like there's so much more to running than just numbers mm -hmm. um, unless it's a speed workout but you know other than that I really feel like I just listen to my body and 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 take it all in and so I said to myself how am I get, how am I going to get into Boston that's one thing I really want to run and I have to finish in order to get my six-star medal so I I was research, researching charities on their website and the New York New York marathon website and I saw that none of the charities you know cater to refugees none of them mm. Everything is for, you know, like cancer or autism or diabetes and, you know, kids and underprivileged women and all that kind of stuff, but nothing for, for refugees. And I said, why is that? And then we're having sort of a, a really big issue here in Michigan in which um, we're having an influx of Syrian refugees. So I said to myself, wouldn't it be awesome to raise money for Syrian refugees? But unfortunately, you can't get a charity. You can't start up a charity and... Um, you kind of have to do it a year before, mm -hmm. and you have to apply and get approved. And they have so many rules. Oh, so I, I emailed the BAA, and I said, listen, I, I'm really interested in running for refugees, and how can I get this charity into your, you know, into your charity, um, into your charity page where people can run for it? Well, they said first it has to be based in Boston. Mm. And so mine didn't. And so I kind of gave up hope and sort of just left it. And then all of a sudden, one day I get an email from Highlands, saying that they are putting together a team of 14 women in honor of Catherine Switzer's 50th year of crossing the finish line of Boston. Mm. And as the first woman to ever to ever do so. Yeah. And that they are creating this team in, in her honor and that they wanted me to be a part of it. And and that they would sponsor me and um, and, you know, obviously get a bit but everything like that. And I was like blown away because again, here comes another amazing opportunity for me to do something great. And I took it and I said, I'll only take this opportunity and accept it from you if I can raise money for refugees, because that's initially what I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. So I was like, this is, this is another sign for me. Mm -hmm. This is another sign that I need to, I got into Boston, just exactly what I wanted to do, but I have to give back. And this is how I'm going to give back. So I instantly called my friend up. She's the president of the um, SARN, Steering American Rescue Network. And I told her, listen, I, I had this opportunity and I want to fundraise for you guys. Is that okay? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And they really, they were so, they were so thankful because they are lacking so much funds yeah. for these families. 
So I instantly put it up on Facebook and Instagram and, 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 you know, went about it that way and raised money and it grew. You know, I think at the time of me fundraising for refugees was a really crucial time because at the time there was the Muslim ban mm-hmm. or the travel ban, a.k.a. Muslim ban, where, you know, a lot of the families couldn't come to America and start a new life. They were banned. There some were even turned away, like while they were on their way to mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. turned away at the airport, and were told to go back. So that that you know, I don't know how if you're human, I don't know how how this you can listen to this and not have it break your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this opportunity to come here with my parents when I was young. Who knows? Like one of those refugees could be the next Bill Gates or yeah. the next you know who knows. Um, or the founder of Apple, he was actually Syrian, Mm. half Syrian. So um, his father was Syrian and who was an immigrant. And I said to myself, this country is founded with with immigrants and all the wonderful things that are happening are largely in part because of the immigrants. So it doesn't make sense to us. And I think that created a lot of um, friction within our our, communities. And so my fundraising picked up got a lot of momentum, got a lot of attention. I had Shape Magazine interview me, Huffington Post, CNN, Global Citizen. Wow. On and on and on, Washington Post. You know, and every time I would get interviewed, my um my my total would go up because I started with 5,000 as my goal. And then I ended <laughs> up with 16. You know, so that tells you again how, you know, passionate the American people are. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this was something that I truly needed to do, and I got it done. That's amazing. So we sit here and watch everything that's going on. You know, I sit yeah. here and watch watch about the travel ban and everything that's going on. Yeah. But but for you, you yeah, you, we're actually affected by it. yeah, like you actually were it. born in Syria. Yeah, do you, now exactly. do you have family still there? We do. Okay, we do. I have uncles and cousins. So how? They're, so how? That's has, horrible. Yeah, I was gonna say. So how it's, has all this affected them and then your family here in America? It's it's horrible. My mother-in-law just came back a week ago from Syria, um, and from a visit, and she said, "Ralph, I can hear the bombings. Um, there's curfews in the country, inflation of prices. Because you know when there's a, a war going on, you know you get inflation of prices on meat, rice, everything." Everything. Shopping is ridiculously expensive. Mm. It's so bad. It is so bad. They are taking um, kids and and boys from the street to go in and fight with the government, mm. whether you want to or not. Like they're forcing them. Um, it it I can't even describe to you. People don't even know where their sons are or their or their boys are because they don't know. Are they alive or not alive? Are they in jails? Who knows? You know, this is the eighth year. Is it the seventh? Seventh. It started on the eighth. Um, seventh year that this war has been going on. Mm. So, and are these are kids that are like your kids' age. You know, it, they could be on the street begging for food and money. Yeah. Or if they're older, like college age, they're taken away. Mm. So yeah, it, it's it's really bad. So really, really bad. Tell me what. What's action we can take in America? Donate. Donate. Donate to a lot of organizations. Refugees need it the most. Um, The organization I worked with um, helped families buy a car so, you know, they can drive to work instead of taking, you know, riding a bike in the dead winter. Um, You have, um, they need languages. They need, you know, classes for English uh-huh. language. Mm-hmm. Um, they need, you know, daycare so they can be able to work. They need furniture. Some, when they first come here, they have no furniture. So what we do is that we organize and have a warehouse and people donate their, you know, used, gently used furniture to refugees. Um, clothes, kitchen appli- appliances, um, and all that kind of stuff. And actually... Refugees who come here have to repay the government. They have to repay their plane ticket. Mm. Yeah. So if you're a family of five and each ticket is $1,300 for overseas, well, like $1,300. So how much is that? $1,300 times five, like 
there's no way there's no way they can afford that. <laughs> this is you a know? silly question. Are they? Yeah. Wh- whose government are they repaying? Ours or theirs? No, the American government. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because they get cleared when they're in the camp. This is sort of like being in limbo when they escape their country, say it's Syria, mm-hmm. and they go to a camp in, say, Turkey. Um, and the camps over there, of course, have diseases and, you know, they don't have much at all. And But they get they get background, thorough background checks for two years. Two years, the American government is making sure that these people are the right people to come to America. Yeah. And the ones that we are receiving here in America are the ones that have been thoroughly checked um, with background checks. And none of them have ever done any any harm to this country. None. You can, you can do the research and f- see for yourself. None of them. So so that is also a ma- major misconception. Yeah. So tell me how you are living. You know, like you have to be living in a constant state of gratitude that in 1982 or wh- whatever year it was, yeah. that your parents immigrated yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, it was easy back then. Yeah. Um, so easy. It was no, there was no hardship like there is now and there yeah. is no friction, you know, hostile, uh, you know, hostile envi- environment, um, protocol wise. Um, and the time I actually landed my cover of the woman's running magazine, that was when Trump was sworn into office. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oops, <laughs> here know? we go. Uh Oh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it just tells you that this is the land of the free and the brave. Like yeah. we, we have free speech. We can practice our religion freely, but at the same time, unfortunately we have groups that attack us mm-hmm. and attack minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is why we have to have a voice and stand up and tell our stories as minorities. Um, and this is again, why I have my Instagram pages and, and my Facebook is to create awareness and who we are and to shatter stereotypes. Well, we are I- running. Well, I'm so happy that Women's Running and Runner's World really initially gave you the opportunity to be a voice. So am I. Trust me. It's like the best thing that ever happened in my life. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. And I'm Uh, sure. For the stay-at-home mom. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Stay-at-home mom of three. Well, and I'm sure that the opportunities are going to keep knocking and things are going to keep happening for you. So this is exciting to watch. Thank you so much. Now, you talk about how running connects you with your faith and the Quran yeah. reminds you that it actually yeah. is a duty to take care of your health. And so, yes. you know, part of your mission is like, you know, like debunking these myths and misconceptions and stereotypes. But another part of your mission actually is also to get other Muslim American women and people yes. in your community out. Yeah. Getting active. And running. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, it's funny because I held, I actually co-organized the 5K race here. Oh, cool in Michigan for a Muslim conference. So this Muslim conference takes place in Chicago, but they had it in Detroit about three years ago. Um, uh, There's about like 10,000 attendees, Muslim Americans. Wow. And they come and they learn and they educate and, and themselves and there's lectures and whatnot. So they came up to me and they said, Ralph, we want you to help us um, organize this 5K race. And I said, absolutely, you know, I'll do it for sure. This was right before my first marathon. I ran my first marathon, so I was in training at the time and organizing this huge race. And we ended up having 800 people show up. Oh, cool. And and these people were, like I said, um, covered, you know, and they came up to me after they crossed the finish line and said, this is our first run and we and we will never stop running after this oh, so the best I it was amazing yeah it was amazing I think I might switch career goals and be, be a race director yes it was so fulfilling to see people cross the finish line hug each other you know and to see them from my community especially uh-huh. Uh-huh. being all covered was amazing it was amazing such amazing feeling so I hope that answers your question as to helping motivate you know, more people to get out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and you've got your family and your kids involved. Yeah. Does your husband run? He did run it. Yeah, he ran it with my kids. So Okay. Does he run yeah. regularly or? 
You know, he started running right after I did. Okay. Two years after I did. Okay. He saw how um, happy it was making you. <laughs> yeah, he saw how happy it was making me. And at the same time, he did need to lose weight. Yeah. So he was like, okay, well, this is, you know, I might as well run because my wife is doing it. It's an easy, and simple way to lose weight, really. Exactly. And we also like traveling. Yeah. You know, and hence why I'm doing the six majors. Um, I love to travel. And then why not come by, you know, travel and run? So it made sense. So when you go to, so, so for everybody listening, she's about to complete her last of the six world marathon mm-hmm. majors at London. Um, mm-hmm. When you go, like you just went to Tokyo, does he go with you or do you go solo? Cause I imagine did. With kids like childcare, do your parents watch the kids? Your dad's yeah. sick though. So how does that work? Yeah. Well, for Paris, we left the kids with my family. Okay. And we went, we ran the Paris marathon, you know, alone. Same for Berlin. Okay. We just went. Um, That's so fun. What a nice getaway. Well, really was amazing. And your kids are a little. See, my kids are still young enough that like they're still baby toddler age that like nobody wants to watch my kids overnight for multiple oh. nights. But your kids are like a little bit older and more self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So tell us. Um, right now you're doing your sixth world <clears throat> marathon major in London. I am. Um, I am. And you are raising money for brain term- tumor research. I am. Yeah. So my father actually got diagnosed with cancer in November. And so at the same time, I was also looking for, you know, a bit for London. Mm -hmm. And I applied to all these charities. You can't imagine how hard it is to get into London. It's really hard, even with charities, because I would get interviewed and denied. Mm. And I'm like, why am I being denied? I raised $16,000 for refugees. Right. (laughs) I can do this. Yeah, you would think that they would, you know, be anxious, like, be eager to have me in their team, but that's not the case. They're actually very picky, and um, it's really hard to get into London. So when my father got um, diagnosed with cancer in November and after his brain surgery, you know, I was sitting there one night on my laptop, and I was going through, you know, the London Marathon website, and then I saw the brain tumor research, and I was like, well, I'm just going to give this one more try. Because I got denied by like seven charities already. And and it makes sense. You know, brain tumor research, brain cancer. There, there we have it. So I applied um, on their um, application and they got back to me the next day. And they said that they would love to have me on their team. And that I had to fundraise $6,000. And, and that's it. I'm in. So I signed and told them... And agreed to everything and, you know, posted it on Instagram and right away started my fundraising. That's awesome. Well, and I noticed on, um, I noticed on your Facebook page, you kind of had an emotional post about feeling selfish that you were going to run this marathon, but you know, you're doing it for your dad, but you're also going to run the marathon. So tell me about those feelings. It's really, you feel conflicted. And like I said, I felt kind of selfish doing that because how can I even think about running or finishing my six-star medal when my dad is, you know, permanently, you know, sick, terminally sick. And um, it felt kind of selfish, you know. And I feel like a lot of times with marathoning and marathon training, it's all, it's all, it's all about you sometimes, you know, like it's me, me, me. Like I, I need to... Uh-huh sleep early. I have a training run in the morning. I need to eat this way. I need to do this. I need to do that. So sometimes I feel like it does because you have that mom guilt and I feel like it takes away that to myself if I'm going to run, you know, like I did with Boston, I might as well do it for a good, good cause. And, um, and you know, this is for my dad and having it being the sixth world major was, is, it, it's so meaningful for me to do it for my dad. And, um, and he knows what I'm doing, you know, he, He's aware of it, and he's so proud yes. of the fact that I'm doing that. So that's awesome. Um, okay, well, we're gonna put the link to donate to her page yes. um, in the show notes for sure. I Thank will you. personally commit to making a donation myself. So anybody else? Thank who, you. Thank you're, you. You're welcome. So anybody else who wants to join in, um, go to the show notes, lindsayhine.com for that. Okay, a couple of really quick wrap up questions if you had one message to send to the world what would it be let's see don't judge your book by its cover yeah um definitely uh ask questions when you're curious if you see someone who doesn't look like you um also you know like run happy yeah Yeah. just just run happy 
Life's too short. I love your message there. Like you're not doing this for time. No, not all the time, but you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you, it yeah. feels good sometimes, to push yourself. Sometimes the overall, for the most part, you know, what's that saying that goes, um, you really find yourself when you're training for a marathon. Yeah. That's so true. You, you really find out to, to, you see who you are and, and, and you find out there's a bigger purpose, a bigger cause behind, you know, running these, um, amazing events. I love that's, that. That's another message. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up with that. And I am just so thankful that you took time out of your day to talk to, to my listeners and me. And I'm so Thank glad you. that I got to know you better. This has Thank been so you. fun. Thank you. Same here, Lindsay. Okay. Well, um, hey, are you, you're not going to be in Boston this year, are you? No, because no. you're running London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I'm actually going to Boston to spectate and I would love to meet you. But we will. Yeah. I bet there'll be a marathon sometime where we can meet in person. For sure. For sure. For sure. I did Indianapolis. You did Monumental? I did. Are you serious? 2015. I did. Oh, my goodness. Did you run it? Um, in 2015, let's see, what was going on in my life? Um, I was 2015. That's what I did that. I was injured that year. I had had a baby in January and I got injured. Or maybe it's 2016. Actually, it's 2016. 2016. I was, uh, I was 10 days postpartum. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm always having a baby or injured, but I did run it this past year. Anytime I'm not injured or, or not having a baby at that time, I do run it and my husband runs it too. We love that race. Yeah. We loved it too. I'm so glad you came here for that. That's so great. Yeah. That year I, Bart Yassel caught up to me on the course and he actually helped me finish. That is so cool. That is amazing. I'll never forget it. It's so awesome. What an an experience. I know. Only in Indianapolis. Yes. He says so. That's cool. All right. Well, have a great rest of the day and enjoy. Thank you. You too. Enjoy your class you're about to go down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Rahav, for coming on the show. You guys can follow her on Instagram. She's run like a hijabi. That's run like a H-I-J-A-B-I. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to donate to her fundraising efforts for the London Marathon for the brain tumor research, honoring her dad who is battling that right now. I am going to personally make a donation myself and hope that some of you will consider supporting her as well. You guys can follow me on Instagram. I'm at lindsayhine626. I post about the podcast, family life, any kind of real stuff going on over here. And and some days there's a lot of stories over there on my Instagram page. I like to talk to my community and share my life with you guys. So I'm having a lot of fun over there. That's lindsayhine626. And you can find me on Twitter, lindsayhine. And we also have a Facebook page and group. The group is really fun. It's all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine for the page and the group. And the group, we talk about the different episodes that come out every week, but we also read a book together each month. Not necessary. You don't have to read the book with us, but some people do. And we just use it as a support group. You can post anything over there. Um, to ask questions, to get support from the other listeners, and to just share things that you're loving with the listeners in the group. I do want to thank our sponsors one more time for helping make this show possible. Thank you, Prep Dish. Go to prepdish.com slash another and use the code another to get a free two-week trial on this awesome meal planning service. No reason to not check it out because guess what? Those first two weeks are free and I know you're going to love it. Thank you, Bissell Bark Bath for supporting the podcast. You guys can go to bissell.com slash another and use the code another when you buy your very own Bark Bath. You can get two free no rinse shampoos with that. And thank you, Casper. You guys go to casper.com slash have another, not just another, have another and use the code have another to get $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. All right, don't forget our meetup in Boston, Sunday, April 15th from 2 to 4. Location to be determined, but somewhere convenient. It's going to be a 
at a casual bar, restaurant, meetup, and it's just going to be a come and go as you please. Let's get a big hug and get to know each other a little bit. I cannot wait to meet so many new faces that I've gotten to know through social media and listening to this show. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.